well, maybe there's a better way that we can figure out from to get from here to here. We might be able to get there, but things change, right? Things change and there might be a better way to do it now. Just because it worked before doesn't mean there isn't a leaner way to do that, right? The way to think differently is to act differently and get comfortable with being uncomfortable. Welcome to the Unlearn Podcast, where host Barry O'Reilly seeks to synthesize the superpowers of extraordinary individuals into actionable strategies you can use to think big, start small, and learn fast, and find your edge with excellence. Here's your host, Barry O'Reilly. Welcome to the Unlearn Podcast. On this show, I'm delighted to be joined by Sachel Tacker, founder and chief civility officer at Train Extra. Now, Sachel grew up in a suburb of Chicago where she fought hatred and discrimination on a regular basis. Yet she refused to allow ignorance, insensitivity and bullying have an impact on her. Her goal was to create a world where every person is treated with dignity and respect and her mission to educate and empower others to be part of that solution. She's trained in practice as an employment law attorney, dubbed herself the chief civility officer after more than 17 years of experience advising clients regarding sound standard employment practices. Through that, she discovered an unmet need, a personal passion to bring a more proactive, relevant and impactful workplace training programs to their clients and teams. She's helped companies create positive, safe, respectful workplaces by providing customized training and coaching. She's actually even done a TEDx speaking point on it. But most recently, and what I'm excited about to share, is that Chachel has joined Nobody Studios as our Chief Culture Officer. However, before we go further, let's go back and look how it got started for her and how she's become aware of her own need to shift her biases and beliefs. My parents were immigrants from India. And so I grew up in a predominantly Italian neighborhood So I dealt with a lot of discrimination, harassment growing up. So if you know that about me, I think most people would assume Sajel's going to be representing the victims when she gets to be a big attorney, right? I did the opposite. I now was representing people who were accused of harassing and discriminating people. So I bring that history into the equation because I had to do a lot of my own inner work to recognize my own bias so that I can do my job well. Because there's no way that I can represent people unless I checked my own biases. So it's kind of the twist in my story. That's really where I learned a lot about, I realized that a lot of my unconscious beliefs were the opposite of what my current beliefs were. And so I had to really quickly come up with strategies to help me make sure that I stayed neutral or that I checked my own biases at the door so that I can do my job well. Yeah, this is fascinating to me, right? Like it's so many levels, right? Just at a personal development level, but even as we're building products, even when we're designing things, right? Like biases, some ways help us to make decisions with all the complex world, but they hinder us. And it's also a really tough thing to sort of really explore what your biases are, because often they sort of show a reflection of yourself that you don't want to be true. And in many ways, you try to steer away from it. So for folks who like are hearing this, what are some of the things that you did or tools that you could share to help people go that through that process, which is probably pretty confronting and maybe even scary to sort of see? It's very scary. And so I'll give you an example. 
I remember early in my career, I had this case where it was an Indian woman who filed a complaint against her white male supervisor, right? And she claimed that he was making some harassing comments, that he was discriminating against her. So if you just heard those facts, you would think that because I'm an Indian woman, I'd gone and been a victim of harassment and bullying, that I would have automatically sided with her in that case. But actually the opposite happened because what I learned when I met with her is that she had an accent, right? So she had an Indian accent. And when I met with her, I felt right away a negative association with her accent. And that was troubling to me, right? Because my parents have accents. I have lots of family members that have accents. And so I really had to figure out like, how am I going to deal with this case? And The reason why I had that negative association with that accent was because when I grew up, I was harassed and bullied because my parents had accents. So now it stays with us. And this is the reason why, Barry, doing this work is so important is because I'm an advocate for equal rights. I'm out there, I'm an activist, right? Yet here is my unconscious bias bringing me in the other direction when I know better than that. So when you start doing this work, you start to see that a lot of these things are from our own experiences, what we've gone through. It's not something that we're trying to get rid of. It's a part of who we are, but it's about being able to recognize when it's happening or putting the strategies in place so that when it's happening, you can slow your thinking down. Because if you think about it, the difference between your unconscious bias and your conscious bias is really a matter of speed. Right. Your unconscious associations happen in a blink of an eye. Well, this is the the thing I'm thinking as you were sharing that story, like straight away, I was like, wow, okay, I've been in situations like that where for me, maybe it it sort of comes on like not that an intuition, but I sort of like I have this fleeting moment where I'm like, hang on a sec. How am I responding to this situation? But often when speed, right, when there's a lot of things happening, maybe you're in a meeting and you, I may actually be treating someone in a negative way because of some prompt, even though that might be against what I would expose to say that's not what I believe, but I could be marginalizing, you know, a female and having waited towards letting males speak more on in the meeting. Or so this, as you're saying this thing, like slowing down, and sort of reflecting on that, it's a hard thing to do in the moment. And it's easy to brush that sort of feeling under the carpet later and sort of go, oh yeah, that was, that was nothing, you know, and, and like really, really push myself to sort of reflect on that. So how can you help like me, anybody who's, because what you're saying, I recognize in myself, but am I really intentionally dealing with it? What are some of the tips you'd have that we can all get better at this? The first step is awareness. The first step is learning about your own biases, right? So your biases, what I started doing when I started doing this work, I realized that that word bias in and of itself has a negative connotation. Right on. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Connect. So I started replacing the word bias with the word beliefs in my trainings and in my conversations with people. Now... People are like, oh yeah, hidden beliefs. That makes sense. We have a brain. It processes all this information. And so it's going to obviously create shortcuts for us to when we see somebody, we're going to make judgments about them. 
right? Without knowing much about them. We all do it. It's normal. That's just how our brain works. So the first step is to really learn what your own biases are. And there's simple tools that you can do to help you. So there's an online tool called the Implicit Association Test, right? It was Harvard University, University of Virginia, University of Washington, a bunch of these big, big psychologists got together, put this online tool together. It's free. You go online, it's broken out into different categories like gender, national origin, religion, race, et cetera, sexual orientation. There's a bunch of different tests that you can take. You answer them. And then what it'll tell you is potential areas of bias. And the way I look at it, this is invaluable. Because it's oh, not yeah. saying you're a bad person. It's just saying you have a tendency to lean in this direction. And so if you know that tendency, then you can pre- figure out, okay, I've got to stay neutral here. So I've got a tendency for pink hair. So if I see somebody with pink hair, I just have to say, oh, yeah, make sure if you're making a decision to hire or promote somebody, you don't let the fact that they got pink hair be a factor in your decision-making process. So it's not that complicated, Barry. And so there's that tool. The other tool is, here's the thing about unconscious bias, right? It's unconscious to us, but it's conscious to everybody else around us, right? So as somebody that'll be honest with you, brutally honest, okay, or gracefully honest with you, and and just ask them, say, hey, have you noticed that I take anything biased into my decision-making process? Like, do I factor certain things in? And, and just be careful for the answer you're going to get because it comes out in our comments. It comes out in our facials, you know, features that we do, our body language, our hand gestures, our tone. And people that are around you all the time, they can pick up on these things. You just can't. If you have, I like to call it when I'm working with leaders in the workspace, I say have an accountability partner, someone that you can have these conversations with to say, hey, have you noticed? And if somebody truly cares about you and your success, they're going to share those things with you, right? And that's what we want because if we don't know about it, we keep doing it. In the meantime, we're, whether it's a positive reaction towards somebody, like so if I see somebody that looks like my son, which is like the center of my universe, if I see somebody that looks like my son, I might, without even knowing it, give that person more leeway at work, maybe hire them versus another job candidate, maybe give them the time off request that I'm not giving anybody else, maybe, you know, without even knowing it. And so somebody listening might think, well, Sage, there's nothing wrong with being extra nice to somebody. Well, yeah, but what about the rest of the team that's watching? It's going to make them feel excluded. So whether you're being micro affirmations or the opposite, where now somebody reminds me of an Italian person, which triggers me because of I was harassed and bullied by Italians. So I have to check that, you know, when I'm interacting with somebody to say, hey, That has nothing to do with this person right here. And so there are some strategies, but awareness is really the first step. And then it's once you start doing the work, you start to challenge those preconceived notions that you have. And so, you know, there are simple strategies you can do there. And like listening is one of the active listening, not just, you know, nodding our heads or or pretending like we're listening or just looking at, but actively listening to understand then you'll start picking up on those preconceived notions and those judgments and you'll be surprised. It's like that annoying roommate that you have in your head that we, we all wish we can get rid of sometimes, right? Oh, that's so good. Like, look, there's so many points to unpack here, right? Like even your first statement though around reframing this notion of bias to beliefs, 
the power of language just stands out to me there, right? Like instantly the negative connotation that probably we all are when we hear the word bias versus beliefs is really, really, really interesting, right? Making it sort of safer for people to understand that it's not you where you're programmed this way. Our brain is designed in a way that you have these auto responses to some situations. So, hey, guess what? You can reprogram that if you're aware of it, right? I think where people so struggle is that they feel like it's their values or it's their very being that is flawed and cannot be changed. Or if you call out a behavior, they see it as some representation of their value. And if it's, and it doesn't want to be one they feel they have, it's, it, that's, that really like, it's shameful, right? Like I've been in situations where people have called me out for, you know, poor behavior. Absolutely. That was maybe a blind spot to me. And it's easy for your first reaction to be defensive and hurt and push it away rather than sort of go, well, hang on a sec here. Was I speaking to someone in a poor way? And that's true whether you're in a team and you're just giving each other feedback of, hey, you know, um, when we had that conversation about, you know, not getting the work done and then you shouted at me, this is how it made me feel. Or all of these skills are important at at so many levels about any collaboration with people. It's fantastic to hear these sorts of things because blind spots is such a important part of us as well. You know, I had uh, Margaret Malloy on the show a couple of weeks ago, and she's the CMO of Siegel and Gale. And one of the things she spoke a lot about is, you know, she's passionate about having uh, gender diversity when she was running panels for CMOs, right? You can imagine for executives anyway, there's a, a terrible ratio of gender equality. So her aspiration was always to have, you know, 50-50 up on stage. And then she ran an event in Boston and someone came up to her after the event and said, if you think that's the future of marketing, you're sorely wrong. And she was sort of taken aback and shocked and was like, well, hang on. And she said, why? Because although she had gender diversity, she had no ethnical diversity up there. It's just a bunch of white folks, you know? And for her, she was, it was a blind spot because she was so optimized on an important part of gender diversity but there was another blind spot there, you know, and it's such a classic thing, you know, like one of the things I even try to do on the podcast is every week I alternate always between males and females on the show. And I also try to record the ethnicity of people, backgrounds of people, like to try and bring diversity to it, but I still suck. I'm still not doing a good enough job, you know? And, but as you say, like, if I don't make myself aware of it, it's easy to just keep having the auto reaction and just have another similar sort of person on the show. And don't get me wrong, I'm, I'm a long way to go, but it's, it's definitely helping me remember these things and be conscious of them. And, you know, who knows, maybe I might even get better if we're able to confront these things, right? Yeah, and, you're doing it right now when you're talking about it. I mean, <laughs> that's why I love the name of your podcast, Unlearning, because I just said this to somebody the other day, like I've spent my whole life up to this point learning and now the rest of the life is unlearning. And <laughs> it's true because I mean, especially this last year, you know, I just realized how much I did not know. And it was actually like scary 
to think that I knew a lot. I went to college, I went to law school. And then when I started getting into the books and doing my work last year, after the whole civil rights movement, I realized, man, I don't know anything. Like there is so much going on out there that I've been living in this bubble and it's all of us. And so it's not, it's not a bad thing. That doesn't make me a bad person, right? I mean, I've been doing what I could, but when you start learning that there's a lot more that we could do when we unlearn what we've learned to this point, it's amazing how it opens up the relationships you build with people, both on a personal level, but at a work level. You know, I was talking to Tiffany earlier, you know, we were talking about some a project that we're working on. And I told her, I go, I know we're in a startup world, but we have to make time for X, Y, and Z because otherwise we're not going to build those bonds. And if we don't build those bonds right now, it's going to be hard for us to scale and, and be able to build those bonds with everybody else if we don't build those bonds within us as the leadership team. And so I'm going to need some time, Barry, just mark your calendar. I'm going to be asking for this is I want some time to have conversations where I can stretch our thinking, where I can challenge us a little bit, where I can open these dialogues. Because here's the thing. It doesn't mean you're a bad person. Even like if you're a good person, right? I do this work for a living and I find out my biases all the time. So don't beat yourself up for it. You're, you're doing the work as you talk about it. You're trying to bring on diversity. You're trying to alternate. That's what it is. It's about, I heard this so much last year where people were saying things like, it's just so much, it's so big. We can't change it. We can't do it. We're not going to be able to do it. And I'm like, yes, we can. I'm not like an optimistic person that's being unrealistic. You know, I'm saying, just do what you can. One thing at a time, like just take it in the right direction and just commit to doing the work and getting that growth mindset. And then everything else will start to roll. Well, okay. I'm trying, right? And But again, so much of what you're saying resonates, right? Like even the point of unlearn, you know, the aha moment was, is working with leaders of these phenomenal organizations, some of the most talented, gifted, competent people in the world. And what had made them successful to date was actually starting to inhibit them, right? Like technology was changing, the world was changing, customer demand changing. And yet a lot of people are stuck wedded to the behaviors that have made them successful in the past, right? And they aren't necessarily going to make them successful in the future. So that was the aha moment with unlearn. It's not about necessarily learning new stuff. It's actually unlearning Mm -hmm. some of what you have. Not all the lessons we learn are the right ones, as we both know, right? But that ability to adapt is actually so powerful when you identify the direction you want to go and take some of these small, uncomfortable steps. And whether you're learning new behaviors, like, you know, how to program or how to do marketing skills or how to be a writer or how to be a speaker, right? Or how you can improve your ability to deal with these difficult conversations that people are afraid to face in. All those things you said before about like finding an accountability partner, someone to give you feedback, someone to share what you're trying to grow at, that you get, you're going to make mistakes, you're going to struggle, it's uncomfortable. But all the more reason rather than take these big leaps is to do small steps and learn your way through it, you know? And I think it's just one of these systems, it's just a powerful, no matter what you point it at, if you're willing to sort of operate with good intent, take some small steps and see what happens. So tell us like some stories about how you've helped people sort of, uh, because, you know, 
you do so many varied and different things, right? Like, you know, from, like you said, from being a lawyer to now you're like teaching teams and companies how to actually go through this process. You're the chief culture officer at Nobody Studios. So, which is, you know, even that in itself is exciting that, as you alluded to, like as a team, we're trying to design and think about our culture very intentionally from like employee four or whatever it is at this stage, right? And so it's fascinating for me to hear, you know, some of the things that you think are important for people as they're going to try and get started on this. So, you know, what are some of the tips you'd have for teams if you started working with them to go on this journey? Yeah, I mean, it was interesting when I started practicing law. Okay, this was in, back in 2003. I was thinking that I was going to be representing supervisors who were going to be malicious, who were just bad people. And don't worry, I mean, I had... I had my, you know, <laughs> enough cases of those kind of cases. And I'm just going to put those on the side for now. But what I found that was so interesting was that a lot of people were actually well-intentioned people who were showing up to work to do good work, but they just didn't know how to deal with diversity, right? We're all different from each other. And so I think when these systems were set up, when these organizations were set up, they weren't set up with this kind of diversity that we have now in mind. Right. I think what we're doing at Nobody Studios is different because we're starting from the ground floor and we're like, no, this is this is actually what we want. <laughs> we want diversity because we want to make products that are going to blow the world away. Right. So we are looking for that and we are on a mission to find as much diversity as we can. Right. So that's a little bit different. When I look at organizations, I like to keep it very simple. Take a look at who the people are in your organization because your culture starts the moment you hire the first person. One of the things I hate about startups, and I've talked to several startup leaders here in Silicon Valley, you know, and always the same excuse. We don't have enough money. We don't have enough employees. We're all working from home. You know, culture's on the back burner. And I'm like, yeah, hold on to my business card because when you need an employment law attorney, you can call me, right? Because your culture starts the first day, but everybody's different. So There is no one solution on how we can create the culture that we want. You have to take a look at the people that you have and figure out both from an organizational standpoint, as well as an individual standpoint, how can I maximize these people's skills, talents, and contributions? Because sometimes people take jobs, but it's not the right job for them, right? Like as an attorney, like I said, litigation, was it the right fit for me? But I did it for way too long. Because I felt like I had to do it. Like, I went to law school. I'm a litigator. This is what we do, yeah. right? Yeah. And so that's one of the things I love about Nobody Studios, too, is that we don't, we're not stuck. We're not pigeonholed, you know? Like, if, if you're, not, you're not jiving with the team you're working on, you can go into a different team, work on a different product. You can come up with your own ideas, right? I mean, all of that is good stuff. And it's, it's radical. It's not traditional. And how many people do we all know that are miserable, in their jobs and they've stayed there for so long, right? So there's a reason why the whole gig economy is taking off because people are like, at least if I can get half my foot out the door, then I might get enough courage somewhere along the line to go all the way all in. Yeah, and that that in itself is sort of a de-risking small step. It's hard, often joke in entrepreneurialism, you know, there's nothing more addictive than the monthly paycheck in some respects, right? But like, it's hard for people to embrace uncertainty or something that's uncomfortable, like going to pursue their an entrepreneurial, highly uncertain opportunity. And not everyone has the means that they can quit and go, you know, and I think that way that 
people can sort of take a small step to learn what it's about and learn if it's actually even for them, I think is a really interesting opportunity of what we can do. Yeah, absolutely. And so I would tell, I would tell leaders out there, you know, when you're looking at culture in your organization, think about what is it that your people want? So I was having a conversation with a leader a couple of weeks ago, right? And they wanted to do some diversity and inclusion training. And so they came to me and I always kind of do like a, a deep dive, trying to understand what they've done already and what has worked, what hasn't worked. And I asked a simple question, well, what do your employees want? You know, have, have you figured out what your employees? And he's like, well, we've never asked them. How can you create a program to support your teams when you, and, and, but, but lots of organizations don't because they're too afraid to really know what their employees want. Like feedback is an underutilized tool. Uh, absolutely. Or it's, or it's a tick box activity. Yes. It's like, oh, hang on. Oh, hang on. There's a social trend here where we need to respond to something that's happened, like uh, whether it was triggered by George Floyd's situation or not. Where's our diversity and con- inclusion tick box? Can we get that one done, please? But it's same with transforming companies. It's like, where's our agile transformation team? All right, tick that one off. Great. It right. makes no sense. It, it makes no sense. So I was, explaining, I was explaining to the leader, you know, it, it, part of my training that I do is I go over what I call as an uncivil behavior spectrum. Right. And my goal is all about we want to teach people the skills that when these behaviors are starting off, like way before it's illegal, like when it's rude, unprofessional, we want to teach people to how to address those behaviors early on. And you know what the leader said? Well, then we're going to get all kinds of complaints. (laughs) I was like, wait, so you're, you, if you already know you're going to get complaints about that, then you already know the problem that you're dealing with is way bigger than what I can help you with right now. Right. My point is, if you're too afraid to know about what problems are going on, how can you fix them? We want to do the opposite. We want to create an environment where people can speak up about these issues without fearing retaliation, without being afraid, so that we can deal with them before they turn into a lawsuit, right? That's what we want. The system hasn't been set up that way. And that's why I would get so frustrated as a litigator, because I was coming in way too late to be able to help the company. Right. And that's why I started my business was like, I'm like, I am sick and tired. These, a lot of those cases could have been avoided had we had proper training and had the people been empowered to handle those situations. Yeah. It's just fascinating what you're saying, you know, because it just, it just resonates me even when I think about any sort of initiative, even when you're trying to build products, right? Like if you're not willing to listen to the truth seeking, reality of what's happening, whether it's your customers say your product, your product sucks, you need to fix it. Or as a person where you're thinking like, how do I improve my skills? I need someone to say, Barry, you know, uh, you're, you know, your writing sucks, Barry, you should fix that. Like it's a gift, right? And just like these types of behaviors that you're describing and how they show up, like we have to be able to have these tough conversations in the open. Otherwise we can't improve, right? We can't deal with them and we can't take them on and be better. It is so interesting, again, this point of how we want to avoid the negative information. It's Entrepreneurs are like that too. It's like if they talk to 10 customers and 10 customers say they don't like their product, they'll just keep asking until they find someone who does like it, right? But I think here we're talking about there's maybe some truths that we know, but we're afraid to hear them because they might, they might hurt or be against what we believe we are, you know? And I think it takes 
fortitude and an element of vulnerability and bravery, I guess, at the same time to step into that. And that's hard, right? There's no two ways about it, right? Like we're all avoiding it for a reason. So how can you help people in that moment? Because I think that, you know, that's one of those, and they're in that moment of like where you can sort of be vulnerable and brave, or you can sort of turn away and, and say, oh, it wasn't me or the situation was different. How, how can we help people in that moment? And, and it really comes down to how do we create cultures of psychological safety, right? That's what it comes to, where, because a lot of times one person might have said something because it's what comfortable to them. There might be joking. You know, sometimes when there's an uncomfortable silence, you say something and then it comes out and you're like, that was wrong. There could be a lot of different reasons why somebody said something, but then now the person on the receiving side was uncomfortable by it, was offended to it. And so when you're in these situations, people need to know, how do I interrupt? How do I let that person know that this is bothering me? So this is where the conversation is about. Is it a microaggression? So is this person operating from a place of unconscious bias? Because now they don't know that they're doing it. So how do we do it in a respectful way? How do we interrupt them? Versus conscious bias, where now the person's intentionally trying to harm somebody. The way that I, the way that I talk about in the facilitations I do is we want to empower everybody to address those situations right when they're happening. So really, Barry, it should be the bystanders, right? So if you and I are in a meeting together and you see somebody making a comment to me that makes me uncomfortable and you notice that it makes me uncomfortable because we're on Zoom and you can see everybody, we're on hyper mode, right? You can see everything. You notice that I was smiling and all of a sudden I stopped smiling. It's really your responsibility to interrupt that situation, whether you do it right now, during the conference in the right way. And if we have psychological safety, like our leadership team at Nobody Studios, I feel like we can say anything to each other and we know that we're there to support and we're on the team and we're, we're in this to make this venture successful. So I feel very comfortable, even though I'm new, saying to somebody there, hey, you know, that's making me feel uncomfortable. That's really what we're striving to do. But how do we do that in a respectful way? Not offending that person, not making them feel like we're judging them or shaming them. But really, I like to say we're calling that person in. We're not calling them out. We're calling them in. But the only way you can do that is if there's psychological safety for us to be able to recognize that this is coming from a good place. I'm just trying to educate you because you might be joking and you might not mean anything by it. But for me, because of the color of my skin, because of my gender, because of my lived experiences, it's rubbing me the wrong way. For example, this statement, I don't see color. I've said that in my own life to people where I've said, I don't see color. I'm fair. I, I, I judge people for who they are. I've said this many times in my life and it's true. But somebody pointed out to me that, hey, that could be really offensive to somebody. And when I learned about that, this was last year, I'm like, oh, wow, okay. Now, in my heart, I still feel like I don't mean that, but I have to stop saying it and I stopped saying it. And now I train other people to not do that, right? But you could see how it can be very easy to like what you were saying earlier for me to get defensive and say, you don't know me. I mean, I'm out there advocating. I'm I'm a social justice champion. What's going on, you know? That's not the point. My only response. And so there's two things to keep in mind. It's how do we interrupt it? And then how does the person that's being called in respond to that situation? Because 
if we do this right, my only response when that person told me about that would have been to check my emotions and recognize that I'm getting defensive, which I did. And then just to say, okay, I need to learn about this and then do my own work, learn about it, and then change my behavior, period. Unless I want to keep offending people, right? You got to change your behavior because it's about the perception. doesn't matter what my intention is. And I really want to make that clear to anybody that's listening to this or watching this. It's not about being bad person. It's not about bad intention. You could be well-intentioned and still harm somebody and the impact could be negative. You know, there's just lots of great tips here for folks too as well, right? And both at the individual level and the team level, right? Like, again, this point of trying to be aware of ourselves, our words, our language, our impact, and catch ourselves. Even when we're going fast, can we catch ourselves of those moments, you know? And, you know, I can think of so many small little examples, right? Like, you know, simple things that I definitely have tried recognizing and get out of my language is when I meet people on a Zoom call is to say, hi, guys, and collectively, right? Like, right. You know, it's one of these things where I'm like, I'm intentionally going to try and not use that word. Yes. I ha- like I've actively had to try and reprogram myself, <laughs> right? So that, like, that's a tiny, my, mini example. I got yeah, called yeah. out on it, straight up called out on it. And it's, it, I work really hard because I know, I know there's a hundred reasons why I shouldn't say that, especially when it's a mixed crowd. It slips out every now and then. And I need to, I need to, I apologize right away. Cause the minute it comes out of my mouth, I'm like, oh, I'd stop. You know, and, and most people will understand that, right? Most people, they know. And I, I mean, but one time I did have somebody say, you know, like you have to be really careful about that. I'm like, you're right. And all I could do is apologize and say, I'm going to try. I'm a human being. And this is a thing. This is why I was telling you when you were saying I have a lot of work. We have to be humble and we know we're going to fumble along this way, right? Like nobody is perfect. And, and so it's just, if you can just remember that we are all learning some of these habits we've had like that, you guys, probably like what, 30 years <laughs> I've had that habit. It's going to take some time to disrupt that, right? So. Yeah, no, it's great. Yeah. And and then the other point I think is really important that you're talking about at a team level is this notion of psychological safety. Like it's it's not this mythical thing that you just sort of, you know, have it one day and, and you know, don't have it one day and have it the next, right? Like, that also is in itself is a process of people making mistakes and then feeling like that they're rather than being judged as an individual that we're actually saying, hey, that was a mistake. Let's try and make that better. And so then people can feel like they can show up. And if I make a mistake, you're not judging me as a person. You're actually trying to help me get better. You know, and I think that transition in teams, you know, like on all the best teams I've been on is that you are taking a little bit of a risk sometimes by offering to call out some behavior that you recognize or when you are called in, which I love as well. I love that. That's a a good, you know, again, use of language there. You accept it. It's to make you better. It's not to say you're bad. It's to make you better. You know, and I think, again, that is work in our team. That will be work for us to build that up, you know. And I think, again, like talking about it in these terms, in these ways that you're describing makes it okay. Because then now we all know 
I'm not here to judge any person. I'm, I'm here to try and make myself and everyone else better. And that's the, that's the operating yeah. intent. Exactly. And, and I, one thing I'll, I'll share with you about is one of the things that I really loved about you, Barry, that you've said this a few times. And I think this is just a great example that I want to share with like business leaders, right? I think when we're vulnerable, vulnerability is contagious, right? But when we're vulnerable about our own, where we are in our journeys and what we're learning and the lessons that we're learning and relearning and unlearning or all of that stuff, right? I've heard you say this a few times and I just want you to know it really positively impacts me and it really makes a difference in how I feel as part of the leadership team there. But, you know, you've said this where you're like, we don't have all the answers, you know, but we're going to try our best to figure it out. And I love that mentality because when you say that, it makes me feel more comfortable being there because this is a new space for me. I'm not in the startup world. I mean, <laughs> you know, this is a whole different environment. I mean, I'm going to get up to speed and that lingo will become my second language in a matter of, you know, a few months. But the point is, is that it's uncomfortable for me in some of these conversations when I don't understand half the things that all of you are talking about, right? But that's not my area. I mean, I can talk all day about culture. That's my area. And so I'm going to default to where I'm comfortable with. But when a leader like yourself that's been doing this work for so long sits there up there and says, we don't have all the answers, that just makes me take all the weight off and say, okay, great. Now I can bring my suggestions. I can bring my ideas and I'm not going to be, you know, looked at in a negative way because it's going to be well, right? Because we're on here together as a team. So thank you so much for creating that environment where I feel comfortable bringing my ideas forward too. Well, thank you for sharing that with me. You're just encouraging me to be even more vulnerable then if that helps. And like I say, I want to just keep encouraging you. You've so many great ideas to share. In in many ways, it's a gift having people who have a totally different perspective because they're just going to ask questions. You know, like one of the things I think is so important in life is if you can't explain it simply, you know, that old adage, you don't understand it. So the gift of people who are new to an area and ask those questions is that we have to explain them. And if we can't, then there's a problem, you know, so I'm looking forward to then hundreds, if not thousands more of conversations from that intent, which thank you so much for sharing. One of the judges that I had, you know, I, I when I did this trial and we argued our case and then, you know, my, my birthday ended up falling on while we were in trial and it was a two week trial. And so the judge had the court clerk bring me a little small cake from the cafeteria after the trial was done to kind of just say, oh, it's, it's her birthday. And afterwards, he said something with me that just has stuck with me. And I really, I'm very intentional about the language that I use and how I communicate these concepts, because I know that if I want, to, if I want people to really move, to, to impact them, to open their perspectives, I have to speak in a language that everybody understands. So I'm like you, I, I don't like to write. I can talk all day because I've perfected the skill of being able to bring down my technical jargon and all of this stuff to a level where everybody can understand it. And I think that's what really helps me in the work that I do and the success that I've achieved and what I've done with my train extra work. But it's true. And the thing is, you develop blind spots is just doing your work, right? Because you know it. And so you start taking shortcuts and pretty soon you're, you're going from here's an idea and you're going all the way over here, but you haven't thought through all the steps because you've been doing it the same way and you've done it for so many years where there might be a much better way to get from here to here. And so I never get embarrassed to ask 
questions about, wait, so how do we get from here to here? And sometimes it's just to hear your explanation or to hear Mark's explanation, because I want to know the thinking behind it. It might work, but I want to say, well, maybe there's a better way that we can figure out from to get from here to here. We might be able to get there, but things change, right? Things change and there might be a better way to do it now. Just because it worked before doesn't mean there isn't a leaner way to do that, right? And right on, you know, and like another one of my favorite guests we had on the show was Joe Narenya. He was the head of global markets for HSBC, like huge job. And what his boss would do is every year at the start of the year, when graduates came into the company, he would go and sit with them and give them problems to work on that he was working on specifically so he could experience like, how would they go about solving them? New technologies. Yeah, right. And you can imagine the cultural artifact that creates in a company Yes. Where you have these big bureaucratic organizations that, you know, by design are sort of these hierarchical things where you have some of the most senior person sitting with the most junior people to it. learn from them. Yeah. You know, brilliant. and I think those things right. matter. Yeah, it's brilliant. And both learn from each other, too. Right. Because they both have to learn from each other. I love that approach. I'm a huge fan of that. Plus, it, that's a great way to create psychological safety when you know you have that net. That, that person with the experience or someone coming in that you're saying, you're welcome here. And this is how you're going to help people grow. Otherwise, people get stunted, right? And they, they don't feel like their talents and skills are valued. And that's where exclusion starts. And then pretty soon you're close to a toxic work environment. That was brilliant. So, you know, I have to ask you then, looking forward, what are you excited about in terms of, you know, how maybe... It's easy to sort of always feel like the mountain's getting higher rather than we're making progress up it with some of these difficult situations and, and things we got to face to. But I'd just love to hear, you know, your thoughts on what you're excited about, hopeful about, or maybe even things to be cautious about. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I am super excited. I mean, three and a half years ago, I took a huge leap of faith in myself to start my own company, right? I'm like, okay, I'm going to go for it. I I really feel like I can make a difference. And it it was hard. I mean, I had zero intention of going out on my own because my parents had their own businesses and all of that, right? But I went for it. And now with joining Nobody Studios, I'm like, okay, I had enough on my plate. And now I want to go to 500 companies. I was just going to, who came up with this idea? So I've definitely added a lot more into my plate. But I am one of those people, and I believe if you ask any successful person this question, right, I think the key is the learning is never going to stop, right? So I'm excited about the fact that I get to learn about and challenge myself in ways that I never have. I did a lot of that last year. But, you know, one of the things that I'm really excited about, too, is not only the fact that I'm in a whole different area that I'm not, that I may not know a lot about, so I get to learn all of this and really kind of which is something I've done as an attorney. I've learned different concepts and made it my own before and, and understood it. That's not the part that scares me as much. The part that I'm really excited about there is building our culture from ground zero. I, I know that I'm going to get some resistance along the way. And I know I'm going to have to deal with that whole startup mentality BS. You know, I'm already starting to hear some of that. And I'm like, no, all right, I'll hear you out. But I'm going to, I'm going to keep pushing forward because if we're going to do this right, and at the rate that we want to scale, we have to do it right. Like, and and I, I'm excited about the fact that we are all on the same page when it comes to people first. I think I've had conversations with you, with Mark, with everybody on our leadership team. Not only that we value diversity, 
but also that we really want people to bring their authentic selves to work. That is exciting. I haven't had a chance to do this before, you know, and to be able to do it from ground zero. I've gone in a lot when things were already toxic or lawsuits were filed and I've helped fix those kinds of environments. So I've gone the other way. Now I'm on this side and I get to create it and build it up. So it's it's super exciting. Yeah, no, and honestly, I'm excited to have the opportunity to do it together with you. You know, like like you said, it's that interesting sort of nexus of excitement and then a little bit of fear because we have to get it right. So I always think that's the right spot though, right? Where it's a little bit uncomfortable and a little bit exciting and I'm sure yeah. we'll figure it out. I hope so. I hope you're right, Barry, because... But then my girlfriend made a good point. She's like, Cesar, what are you worried about? Like, they know what you're out there talking about. You're pretty vocal about your stance and what you're... And they still brought you on. So don't worry about it. But I'm like, I don't know. You know, it is scary. But the good news is I have you and I and I, I feel very supported there. And, and, I, and I feel like any sort of blocks that we have, we're going to face in everything with the rate that we want to scale. We're going to have to just... That's in our, in our, in our bones. We're going to have to just, you know, get tough and just get through it. So it's going to be a fun adventure. Well, I am absolutely delighted to be on the adventure with you and all the other nobodies we're we're bringing together on this crazy mission. So thank you so much again for sharing your story, your insights, and so many great little tips. I am going to start saying call in now uh, on these things. I love it. It's such a good one. Thanks very much for being on the show, Sachel. Look forward to building lots of great companies and a great culture with you. Thank you so much, Barry. My pleasure.